welcome to the Vichara podcast. My name is Sansa Devi and I am your host. During these Vichara podcast sessions, we really hope to inspire your inner journey and we really hope to infuse your deep dives with conversations about the sacred, the raw and the real. We want to highlight individuals who are integrating the teachings no matter what spiritual tradition they have stumbled upon and no matter what background we have, we can look at people who are walking a conscious life and living a conscious life and see what tools they have adopted, what tools have helped them. And hopefully we get a little injection of inspiration when we're listening to these conversations. And we want to bring forth people that have really had the courage to step into their own fire, that continue to grow, learn, and evolve. How have these people that we talk to, how have they integrated spiritual tools, and how do they look at life in a way that's really healthy and sound? And what can we learn from these people, and what can we really take with us and absorb and integrate into our own lives? The whole initiative here is to infuse you with inspiration to stay on your path. So may these sessions serve you. During this interview with Shane Carrick, we go into topics like meditation, yin yoga, Zen Buddhism, skating, and bridging the worlds between skating and yoga. And holding a component of service in our hearts. We talk about the Bodhisattva principle that's elaborated on in the Buddhist tradition especially, and we go a little bit deeper into how Shane has started to implement these Bodhisattva and service principles in his life, combining passions and really bridging the gap between different worlds when it comes to skating and yoga. He's a very humble guy. He is very giving. He has a very big heart. Um, very little ego involved in his offerings. And I just really wanted to highlight who this crazy man is. He is kind of nuts, but he's very awesome. And so I just wanted to put him on the show early to give you guys a glimpse of how one can use one's passion and one's talent one skillful means and make it a dharmic path for oneself, sharing that with others. Shane is a living example of how to live these yogic principles. And they're not even yogic, they're universal for any spiritual path, really. And we get to hear about the spiritual path that he has embarked on. He travels the world and then yet comes back to this tiny little mountain town town called Ridgeway and we're blessed to have him in our community. So here is a glimpse of Shane Carrick and I hope you enjoy it. Yay! Shane Carrick! (laughs) Yay! Yay! I'm so excited (laughs) to have you on. For those who don't know you, Pro skater, pro snowboarder, pro ski joring competitor, pro yin yoga teacher, pro everything, awesome rad human being, um, dear friend, dear brother. Yeah, I'm just excited to have a moment with you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on, Hansa. Absolutely. So uh, give us a glimpse into Shane Carrick's world for a second. <laughs> What's up with you? <laughs> 
Shane Carrick's world. Oh man. Um, well, Shane Carrick's world has not been that exciting lately. Uh, <laughs> I've been, because of the ski during, I've been injured. I broke my collarbone. And so I've just been past few months. I broke my collarbone um, and some ribs and things and a concussion in there uh, right as the pandemic was sort of starting. So I've been like real injured through the pandemic. That's right. Uh, so I've been like not only locked in the house, but then I'm also like unable to, I was unable to even do like yin yoga. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even sit on my meditation cushion for more than just a few minutes. Like laying on my back was almost impossible. Um, so it's, it's been interesting. You're kind of trapped in that body, hey, and got to sit with sit with the injury and all of the messages that come with that, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm an active person, and I know I, it must be hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But um, it's been good, and it's been it's been good to sort of focus on. Um, after a while, I, I could sit for a while, mm -hmm. and so I've. I've been able to kind of spend some time like doing like longer periods of meditation, um, which have been cool. And since all the new offerings online are happening too, I've had the chance to like, um, like last weekend I did a, a Dharma weekend meditation retreat with the Crestone Zen Center and um, Zanki, led by Zanki Roshi. Um, so that's like, that was really cool. And I would have never, Actually, I went out there in, in over the winter, but that was like um, something I was able to do that I wouldn't have been able to do mm -hmm. if it weren't for the pandemic and COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so like there's been some upsides like that for like for my meditation practice. It's been good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you've been out walking more too, doing like walking meditations and stuff. Yeah, definitely. That's been interesting because I, uh, yeah, I've, just walking around the block was like pretty much it would take it out of me wow that at, much pain at the very beginning yeah the first like week or so was real was pretty rough and um and my, it just felt i could just feel my body healing like just sleep a lot and no energy um but then like little by little walk a little bit further and a little bit further and and now I'm actually sort of getting into rediscovering all the hiking trails in Uray. I'm like checking them off the list and sweet. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I'm from there obviously, but uh, it's been a while since I've been on some of those trails. So like, that's been really cool. Is it, does it bring up old memories? Is this nostalgic or is it like you see it afresh and anew? Um, kind of fresh and new. Like cool. it's kind of from a new perspective. Um, but you know, like just the other day I was hiking up Chief Uray and like, I like pass my dad coming down, you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> it's also familiar as well. So, uh -huh. yeah. Cool. So for those people that don't know what ski joring is, can you just explain that? Because it's kind of <laughs> nuts and I just want people to know how nuts you are. <laughs> well, ski joring, I think comes from like your neck of the woods doesn't it isn't it a, a norwegian or swedish it comes from sweden or norway 
I um, have no idea. I, yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> joring, I don't know what joring means, but it's not an English word, I think. Um, so, but anyway, it's, it's skiers and snowboarders getting towed behind a horse through a sort of like, like a, like a, it looks like a motocross course, like rollers and jumps and, and banks and berms. And um, yeah, it's a race. So, <laughs> and it's a small course. It's really tight turns and it goes right. really fast and it's absolutely nuts, honestly. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's real quick. Like most of the courses are like under a minute easily. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, you have a partner, you have a, there's like a, a cowboy or cowgirl and on their horse. And then the skier or snowboarder getting drugged behind and the fastest one through the course wins. And it's interesting. It's, uh, it's like a super unique sport because it's like the ranch culture mm -hmm. meets the ski culture in one fun event. So and then people bet yeah. on this and you can win money and it's like a big thing. Like it's a huge ordeal. Yeah. yeah. There was like, um, yeah, like I think they had like $30,000 in prize money or something for the Ridgeway event. Wow. And it's like a whole tour. There's like a tour through Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, uh, Montana, and people do like the whole winter circuit. And, wow. Uh, and you were on that circuit in a way because you went out of state to compete because you got hooked in Ridgeway. I got hooked and then I went to the, the ski drawing national championship oh, ooh. In, in, uh, in Red Lodge, Montana. And that's where, that's where I fell. <laughs> but you had a really good race prior. So you got to give yourself a little credit. I had a good race prior and then, yeah, it was, it was actually me showboating that caused me to fall. So I oh. kind of got a, uh, I learned a lesson. <laughs> okay. Have you been sitting with that too afterwards then? It sounds like. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. The universe gets you what you need. Yeah. You, you act like an asshole and you will pay for it. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I have a hard time seeing that though. You're like one of the kindest people I know. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, ski drawing. It's definitely a do people can give it a Google. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to see it actually. You gotta get a visual for it. It's just kind of yeah. crazy and kind of nuts. But it kind of also describes who you are because you put yourself out there and you explore your physical, you know, capabilities and you always want to push yourself past not past your edge, but see where that edge is and you keep challenging yourself, which I think is really cool. Um, and then sometimes you get these humbling experiences <laughs> as, <an> ex <laughs> as the reason for it. But um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about both your skating world and your yoga world and kind of bring it all together in a sense, because I, I was starting to think about how I met you even, how we met. Was it through Nancy back in the day? Was it through yoga somehow? I think we, yeah, I think it was first um, when Evie and I, Evie and I were in India doing a teacher training, our, our, our first yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
there was it was like ashtanga heavy that program obviously it wasn't an ashtanga program um because it wasn't in mysore or whatever but yeah you got to well yeah we did a lot of sun salutations (laughs) (laughs) no but um it uh after that we came back to ridgeway for like a little while and we were we looked up um, Ashtanga and we found you and then we came to your I think it was your Mysore room and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's where we met the first time but yeah I think you're right Nancy um, my mother-in-law was going there yeah yeah I just I couldn't necessarily pinpoint that one moment when it was but I thought it must have been through yoga somehow so yeah. Anyway, so we have that parallel and we teach through the same shala and um, you are focused on yin yoga a lot these days. Um, And do you want to go into a little bit how you fell into that and why you're so drawn to it and why it's so beneficial or just your your passion and inspiration from that? And also, I want to know how you cross paths with Bernie. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, I think the reason I always kind of liked like the yin side of a yoga practice, you know, like if you just go to like a vinyasa class, it's in the beginning, it's going to be like, like quick and movements are rapid and you're not spending much time in the poses. But like usually a teacher will taper off the energy. And at the end of the class, like there'll be longer holds and start to relax a little bit. And I think like I always felt like I really wanted to, like I, I liked the end of the yoga class mm-hmm. where, the, where the poses were like relaxed and held for a longer period of time. And I always just thought I was lazy and it was like because, <laughs> because I was tired that it felt good that I didn't have to like be in chair pose for, you know, a minute or whatever. Like it feels good to lay on the floor afterwards. Um, so I never really because I started doing yoga that was definitely not yin yoga. Mm. Like the first yoga class I ever did was Evie, my wife convinced me to go because I was having some back issues and I was like feeling like, Oh, I'm going to find the hardest yoga class because I'm like a dude and I work out and you know, yoga is for girls and, so I, I went to a heated, weighted oh, gosh. vinyasa class in Telluride. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and like you get the weights, you get the weights like before class and you have your options of the, you know, like two pounds, four pounds or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I saw there was like 10 pounds. So I was like, I'm getting the 10 pound weights. I, like two minutes in the class, I was dying and I made like this walk of shame up to the front of the studio and I replaced my 10 pound weights with like little pink one pound weights and I (laughs) like skulked back to my mat with my tail between my legs you know Uh Um, and then so I don't know how I ever made it I don't know why I ever went to a yoga class again after that but I did and I found like a less intense class Mm-hmm. Um, at the Telluride Yoga Center there was probably more like what you would probably like describe now as like hatha yoga you know mm-hmm. and um, I really liked that 
and like I said, like I really like the end of that type of class. Um, and um, that sort of led us to sort of like reevaluate, like reevaluate our, our entire lives basically like, um, and we did our teacher training in India. So kind of back to that. And that was real Ashtanga heavy. Um, so that's like the practice that I felt like I was taught in India. Um, and then, and then obviously pursued like back in Ridgeway with you mm-hmm. um, and really loved it and, and really benefited from that practice in like so many ways. Um, but I was still always like the lazy Ashtangi, you know, like I feel like. <laughs> Do I know? Uh, <laughs> Just <yeah. kidding. laughs> So um, we, I actually, I went to a yin yoga class uh, for the first time when Evie and I, a- after our, our um, India trip, we did like a big around the world journey. And we spent three months in Bali, like focusing on yoga and stuff. And that was where I did my first yin class. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this is a whole yoga class that does the end of a normal (laughs) yoga class for the whole time. Yeah, score. (laughs) Like, this is great. And, uh, you know, I've always been kind of like, like I've always exercised, worked out. I've always like done sports and like I'm definitely like the type of like an active person. And um, this was a totally different thing. Like, I felt really good physically. I felt really relaxed. I had like the time and space in the poses like really resonated for me. And it was really like, I kind of think like I had found like what I needed to balance out my personality in life and I think my like if you're using like yin and yang terms like my yoga was very young to match my like young lifestyle and personality mm-hmm. and once I found like a yin physical practice to me it was just totally clear that like oh like my, I'm really responding to this like I feel better my body feels better like this is this is a good thing for balance Mm-hmm. And ha- do you feel like the yoga has strengthened the other activities or either like your level of tension or concentration? Has there been any side effects that you can see? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, like physical side effects were like, like I said, we spent three months in Bali. And after that first yin yoga class, I just was only going to like yin yoga after that. Cool. And yeah, and I'd been doing yoga probably for a couple of years by that point, um, regularly at home in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I'm like a guy and not super flexible. And I've I've never really have been. Mm -hmm. And when, like, that three months in Bali doing yin yoga, like my body opened up physically more than it had 
in the past couple of years of like a young yoga practice. And so to me, it was like, whoa, like I'm finding all of this new flexibility. My body's becoming physically unstuck in all of these areas. And it was like, totally, it was, it just, it worked on my body. Whereas like, um, more young types of yoga, just, I didn't feel like I was gaining any flexibility. So mm-hmm. that was like the main, the main really like super apparent, like immediate benefit, I think was like real quick physical flexibility. Um, so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing or whatever. I mean, you can <laughs> yeah. Argue. yeah like, well, you- I mean, no judgment really, but it's just interesting to hear what your experience is or has been yeah totally and then well the the other thing too was was like mentally like i was always just like am i trying to keep up with like i'm in a yoga pose for five breaths and is my arm in the right position and this and that and looking at my neighbor and trying to listen to the yoga teacher and then it's like on to the next pose on to the next pose on to the next Mm -hmm. pose like and yin yoga was like oh, we're in a pose for five minutes and the teacher's not saying anything. Mm-hmm. Like, um, to me, it was like a real good introduction to like meditation 101. Um, and then that, that's been an obvious like path out of yin yoga for me. Cool, um, now go there. <laughs> I want to hear more. <laughs> I want the world to hear more. Yeah, but you know what I was thinking about it? It's like if you, I mean, if you look at at sort of um, people, you can argue this, like, obviously, um, I'm no expert, but people do say that like asana is like preparation for your body to be able to sit in a, in a seated meditation posture for a long time without your body screaming at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it was like, I don't think I could have done I don't think I could have sat in a seated meditation posture on a cushion for more than a few minutes without, you know, my back aching or something like, or my hips being tight or whatever before yin yoga. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like it, it, when you look at like, you know, the eight limbs and you look at the purpose to me, it made sense. It was like, okay. Yeah. Like why do we do asana? Mm-hmm. okay like this is what this is the purpose i want to get out of it like okay that's happening all right great what's the next step you know yeah and to me it was like an obvious progression um so that progression was yeah it seems like yeah it's 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 meditation down the line a little bit um mm-hmm. And you've also, you tasted that flavor of the stillness in the yin practice in a sense. On the mental plane, you've already befriended that space that can, you know, create uncertainty for the mind and it wants to stay busy with a pose or whatever. And you've already gone to that place a little bit. So it might have been a little bit calmer also. Yeah, totally. Like, I I mean, I'm definitely not, I wouldn't have just gone into like a drop-in meditation class before that, Mm -hmm. you know, like you I would have rather like hit my hand with a hammer, you know, like, Gosh. <laughs> like here's shame uh, for you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like getting a taste of that, 
I got a taste of that in yin yoga, whereas I had not tasted that anywhere else, except mm-hmm. for Shavasana, I guess, in some, in some, yeah. in, in other yoga classes. Um, well, um, first of all, I want to reflect back on our time together in the, in the Mysore room. I never saw you as lazy, just for the record. <laughs> and I never saw you either. A lot of guys can get competitive you know, and, and it's almost like an ego boost. And I never saw that you were somewhere in the middle. You were that equanimous guy. You Never took that golden middle path. I think that that has, I've always seen that in you. Uh, I feel like that's always been there percolating that, that happy middle ground. Um, and maybe that's, you know, self-discipline and also just what I see on the outer, but I always sense that in you. And I, I really want to, say that I, I'm proud of you that you took a step away from Ashtanga to explore yin yoga fully. And I think that's really healthy not to um, do all different types of yogas. This is just my personal opinion, but I, I believe in the um, analogy where you're drilling water and if you are trying to drill too many holes, you're never going to go deep enough. And you have really immersed yourself in yin yoga and now also in meditation. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that and your journey and that. And um, yeah, just tell us where you're at with that and how it's been. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm glad you don't think I'm, I was lazy because <laughs> I definitely <laughs> was. <laughs> um, no, but um, yeah, like the, it's been, um, we've been living in, in Paris for uh, basically the past, year and when we first got there i was drawn to the the paris um zen dojo and which is one of the first zen centers um to be established outside of japan wow so it's got like this really old yeah it's like a it's a real cool old monastery in the city um and uh i started going there which was which is real interesting um and sort of began that real that really clicked with me the the zen practice um fit really well with kind of where i was at with my yin yoga practice like um the space and simplicity and sort of rationality of it um kind of like really resonated with me i think Mm -hmm. um i think sometimes with like with yoga some of the stuff is like a little bit too um like a little too woo woo or not woo woo but like a little too like magical a little too uh complicated a little bit too unclear a little too ambiguous you know and with with the zen tradition it's like it's like no bullshit like it's like their tradition is to be very very simple um so that really was like that made sense with me so i i sort of began like a like a regular practice sitting zazen um with the monks there at the zen center they have like an open drop-in program and i joined them like once or twice a week um, for the basically like the year that we were there and that had like a huge impact I think on on me um, just in like sort of meditation instruction and 
um, just viewing what meditation is and how to do it and um, you know what's the purpose of it um, through the the lens of Zen made sense to me mm-hmm. so you know I think it's like like what do they say like all like many roads you know what, what's the saying I forget like <laughs> many I, roads I think, that lead to the same place yeah exactly like I think like each person resonates with like a practice in their own way based on their own personality and who they are mm-hmm. I don't think there's like one right or wrong way um, and I think like yin yoga and then like the zen tradition has like made sense to me personally mm-hmm. but it's not like I see that that is like the only way like no but you you've taken the time to to dive and try different things to find what works for you and i guess that's what's inspiring too that you keep exploring and and now you're going deep into these Um, yeah it's just opening up something also because it's not necessarily the most popular yoga and so it's like if you're looking at commercial like yoga industry as such in the west it's not usually where the focus is at on the zen buddha's path for example and so i was familiar with that before i started practicing ashtanga yoga or any any physical yoga actually um, cause I had an old roommate who, um, would go to the sun center outside of Stockholm and he would go and sit for 10 hours a day. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> and so he kind of got me into the sun center in Stockholm. So for you to find that path and it's really close to my heart, I'm like, oh, I just want you to like do it, immerse yourself because it's such a beautiful, the, the simplicity that you're talking about, there's such richness in that. And I yeah, feel like definitely. that's what's lost a lot in, in the commercial yoga, if I can be harsh, in, in the West. And they hit you with a stick. Yes. And <laughs> see, I have, you don't even know this because you're, you're dropped out of Ashtanga, but I have one in my Ashtanga group too. I have a stick. <laughs> good, hit him, it's Hansa, a good threat. Hit him. Yeah, hit it's him. a good threat. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> sound like we're awful, but I do have a stick. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you know, it, you say it's not popular and it's like, it, it is funny because there's so much attention to the ritual and form, mm-hmm. you know, they, you, for instance, like when you go sit Zazen, I mean, I'm telling you, you know, like you have to, you have to enter in a, you have to make sure that your mood is calm, that you're not flustered before you even enter. And that's just the first section you have to grip your hands in a certain way. You have to enter with your left foot. So you have to go clockwise. You can't cross the Buddha. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, I mean, there's like a whole thing. And like, to me at first, I was just like, and everyone's in robes. Mm-hmm. And I, to me at first, I was like, it makes me cringe, you know? I'm like, definitely not the type of person that like, <laughs> like I wouldn't do well in the military. I'm not very good with like a, a hierarchical structure or like regimented discipline mm-hmm. so at first i saw that as like a turnoff and then you just sit down and you stare at the wall and it's like your eyes are open you're just sitting at the wall no one tells you what to do and then someone comes by and hits you with a stick <laughs> and then and then you chant and leave like it's just so you can see why it, it would not be popular at first. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Yes. 
Um, but again, like the actual form, like once I started to see that the, like the purpose of that is to be present and to pay attention and to, to do that, not just when you're sitting on your yoga or on your meditation cushion, mm-hmm. but to have that kind of attention to like where you put your shoes and the energy you give off as you come into a room and you know like your your everyday life like and then i mean to me that was where the real sort of like uh benefits started to show up for my meditation practice was like on the cushion i'm just sitting there staring at the wall nothing magical or crazy ever happens but then in my life like oh i'm like a little bit less reactive mm-hmm. I'm like a little bit happier I'm a little easy I'm a little bit more easygoing like mm-hmm. I'm not as likely to be like sucked into a pattern of anxiety that I would have before or you know what I mean like mm-hmm. like totally. real tangible sort of living a better life type of thing like off of the mat and that's what also that's what hooked me and mm-hmm. the other thing that hooked me with Zen is like, um, and again, this is like, I think where I kind of like depart from like yoga philosophy a little bit mm-hmm. is like, I really like what, what they say in Zen about, um, well, just the idea of like the bodhisattva, which is like the being that's, that's postponing any type of enlightenment in order to help beings that are remaining on earth and in the cycle of samsara you know Mm -hmm. and they i mean that even that's a little like woo woo like what does that even mean but like in i think in in the zen buddhist tradition and in buddhism in general like there's like a pretty strong emphasis on on um on helping other people Mm -hmm. and that's been like that's like a big part of like my life and direction and to see that sort of come up in, in a spiritual tradition that I'm practicing, like, like I really liked, that was really like a light bulb for me. Um, and to have emphasis on meditation, but have emphasis on, on service of the community too. Mm -hmm. Like that's so refreshing to see. And I'm not sure if in, in yoga philosophy in general, it's more about like withdrawing from the world and withdrawing from our senses. And um, I, I always had like a hard time sort of connecting with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I wanna, I wanna be like out in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I wanna be helping people. I wanna be out in it. I wanna be like alive and living. And um, To me, like that's not something that I really found it really like backed up that ideal in yoga for me but mm-hmm. in buddhism it was like oh, okay cool yeah like this this seems more of like what my life sees as important or like what what choices i've made in my life that seem important so yeah that's why that's why i found it kind of interesting i'm really glad that you bring that up because the whole idea of the bodhisattva um we can apply that to your whole 
skating project and we'll get there in a minute but i also want to refer back to the yoga practice the only thing i can as you were saying that about the bodhisattva and that path of service the only thing i can kind of pull out as a nugget from the yoga philosophy would then be service or seva or karma yoga even bhakti yeah. yoga in a sense because there's that devotion yeah can you're we- right i mean and i'm not saying like that that yoga philosophy like doesn't support service like it's obviously like written in there as well but like it just um, hit you at the right time and you could really resonate with it it sounds like well and just to see like the communities that are like committed to to self to to service projects it's not like it's not like you go to like most yoga studios and you see that like everyone is working toward or committed towards like a local um like organization that's doing you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it, it's harder you do, you do find it but like through ashrams you do but not necessarily studios yeah I, I don't know i mean maybe i'm wrong but to me it was just it was super apparent like that that engagement was happening in the in the zen buddhist community mm-hmm. and it just like i just hadn't really seen that in yoga before and it it really it turned me on for sure Cool. Well, I'm really yeah. excited that you're on that path because it, it's, it's cool to see your evolution in it because we're close friends and it's just, it's fun to see how you're, you know, not just dipping your toes anymore. It's deepening your, your whole inner world. But I didn't, I didn't get a robe. <laughs> well, it's just about, it's, it's a matter of time. <laughs> well, I was, they want, I was supposed to get like the lay practitioner robe, uh-huh. but I just couldn't do it. Oh, geez. I Do know. we have to sew you one? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, there was a, a weekend where like a very high level um, Zen Buddhist priest came and um, I showed up for the, the practice and um, I just did it in my jeans. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely the only person in like a t-shirt and jeans. So. But it's not about your appearance though. I see how like when you want to honor tradition, I, I definitely see it. But we all know it's beyond that. <laughs> yeah. And it was the instruction was given in French too. So it was a little. Uh, wow. I was definitely an, I was definitely feeling like an outsider to say the least. <laughs> wow. Well, you were also teaching as you were in, in Paris. Were you teaching your own yoga in French or in English? No, I, yeah, I, I did French too. I have, um, I was doing two weekly regular classes at, um, at two different studios. One was like an expat studio. So the crowd was pretty international. So I was doing English. Uh-huh. Um, and then the other one was like a, a, a chain of, um, of yoga studios in Paris that was like all French. So I, I did that one in all French. Wow. Uh, well, luckily it's yin yoga. You know what I mean? I don't have to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're stepping into your fire there though, because that's new territory. And that's what I love about you, that you keep challenging yourself. That's a yeah, way you- to grow for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, you know what it's like to learn a second language. Like, it's like, how do you say the inside of your foot? Or, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was just all those little, the, the vocabulary was like all those little body parts. Um, like, what do you call, like, I didn't know the names of the fingers in French. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess I barely know them in English, but like. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know you what I mean? learned it's a just, ton then, huh? 
<laughs> it was yeah no it was it was challenging but but it was good yeah cool can we yeah. dive a little bit into why Paris and that whole part of your life that's we haven't talked about yet but personally yeah. I feel like it's such a big part of who you are and to me Yoti and myself we talk about you a lot <laughs> and, <laughs> and <good> to, <laughs> absolutely to okay. us what you're doing is really karma yoga to us it's really service and I personally I when I was living in India and we would go out with the ashram that I was working for a lot we'd go out in these rural rural villages and start soccer games in these poverty-stricken villages to create joy basically the the sole reason was to go there to give people a break from their daily misery and suffering and basically start we would go you know a handful of swamis and myself and start a soccer game and that's like something that they do on a regular basis that's just one of their rural outreach projects um and that was such an eye-opening thing for me to see what that did to people and even though we talk about in yoga the happiness doesn't come from the outside Sometimes you need that outside, um, what do you call it, conductor or something to ignite that inner fire in yourself so that you can even feel joy again so you know it's even in you. And that's something I saw was totally life-changing for a lot of these people. And it's such a simple thing. And you go to these communities with refugees and set up skate camps. And I want you to flesh this out and talk about it. But what you're doing is bringing joy and you're doing it of service and with the bodhisattva heart in you you're giving and i want you to talk about that <laughs> so please do and tell me where in the world you've been and what what organizations you're working with and why and how and all of it well i'm definitely no bodhisattva i'll say that <laughs> <laughs> hey that's up to us to determine. <laughs> um yeah no this past fall i def i found myself I was pinching myself because I was skateboarding in a Syrian refugee camp in Iraq. And uh, I just was tripping out on that. Um, that that's where kind of like, how the hell did I end up there? You know? Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. You started skating when you were young and you just took that passion to this and like, give us the journey a little bit. Yeah. I mean, skating is like one of the things that, has been like, it's been the thing that I've done the longest continuously in my life. So like I started when I was 12 and I just never stopped. So I haven't done anything since I was 12 that I haven't ever stopped. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just been the common denominator for me wherever I am. Mm -hmm. And traveling, it's, it's been, um, obviously I just have my skateboard with me mm -hmm. and I touched on it earlier, but when Evie and I did our big sort of reassessment of the direction of our lives, um, we did that big around the world trip and I brought my skateboard with me, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and I can remember when, I can remember a very specific like event that made me sort of realize that my skateboard was more of a tool for connection than I had thought. You know, I just thought that it was a skateboard before and it was mm -hmm. fun and that's why I did it. Um, but it's actually, it was in India and Evie and I were in Jaipur 
And it was like a really, really hot day. It was like 125 degrees or something crazy. And we had visited like the pink city and we just were so hot and we found a little park and we saw some shade and we just sat in the shade and um, there was like a little sidewalk in the park and uh, I started skateboarding up and down it and it was like crazy, crazy hot, but I was just bored. So I started doing tricks and little kids started to show up and I'd like let them ride the board and show them what it was. Obviously none of them had ever really seen a like or maybe had the chance to ride a skateboard or whatever before. Um, and then like their, their mom would come over and then their whole family was there. And <laughs> then like these like soldiers came over and like tuk tuk drivers stopped and like it turned into this whole thing. And there's probably like 30 to 40 people like just taking turns riding my skateboard. And I was like holding their hands, you know, and like even the soldiers wrote it and like, um, it was totally this moment where it felt like, uh, like Evie and I were able to have like a, like a real intimate connection with, with people um, in a way that I don't know if we would have been able to do that, like just as a tourist, you know? Um, and then as we continued to sort of travel, even after that moment, like um, there's just something about like a skateboard where it, I don't know, like kids look at it, people look at it, people look at you, you know, like it's definitely uh, like it, it kind of draws people for some, for whatever reason. Um, and then when you do as a skateboarder, like, and you see someone else that's a skateboarder, it's mm -hmm. a stranger, like you feel like there's like a connection there. So like, oftentimes like I joke about it like skateboarder shoes are messed up like if you look at a skateboarder shoes like a lot they're like they're like dirty and shitty and have holes in them and um so like if I'm out and about and like the person doesn't even have to be holding their board or whatever but if I, I look down and I see like that little hole in their shoe <laughs> like I know you know what I mean and then like they'll see the hole in my shoe it can be like a wordless exchange, like just like a nod or whatever. But it's like, I instantly know that that stranger that I don't have, that I haven't said a word to, like, I know that I have probably more in common with that person than like anyone else around. Interesting. Just, just because the skateboarding is like a common denominator. Uh -huh. And like, the reason for that is, is because I think like, skating is, I think it draws like a type of, a certain type of person to it. Okay. And when, if you get into skating and you're a kid, like it's bit, you, you're kind of like a, I mean, it's less, less like this now, but um, it's not a sport. It's like a, you know, the association with skateboarding is like the kind of like, like outcasts or misfits or the, the kids that don't fit in, in on the football team or, you know what I mean? That's like the stereotype. Do you feel like that's still real today though? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a space. Well, I think it depends because it's obviously skateboarding is like an Olympic sport mm -hmm. and there's people making million dollars at it. But 
if you just go down to your skate park and you talk to like a random kid in a random town at a random skate park, like again, like I, I, I would bet that they would kind of fit into a a mold in some sense of like like an outcast or a reject or Mm. or or maybe maybe not even that maybe even if maybe that's like a really negative way to look at it maybe it's like someone that's like creative or um or different or in some way like um but anyway if you all that is to say like if you start skating Mm -hmm. and you continue on it's so hard it's such a hard sport like people say like if you give someone a basketball and a hundred tries, like they're going to shoot a basket. Mm-hmm. But if you give someone a skateboard and a hundred tries, they're not going to ollie, you know, they're not going to yeah. jump. Like it's so hard. And so like, it, it's a really like the entry point is if you make it through and you continue to skate, mm. like through your life, like that takes like a certain type of person, I think. Okay. And then like through that experience, like, there's some similarities that all skateboarders share. I think that some like character traits that would come out of like following something so stupid as like riding a skateboard. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I say that because like, it is, uh, I see it now as like a way of connection. So like, it's a community. And I think for skateboarders, they're so passionate about what they do. It's not just something, it's not a sport you do in high school and then you're done. Yeah. It's like it's like who you are. It's like the clothes you wear, the music you listen to, the magazines you read, the books you read, the people you hang out with. Like it's like a it's a lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think like um you can find common ground more often than not with a skateboarder. Mm-hmm. And the difference is, I think, like even language, um, nationality, religion, gender like age, like those things that are like traditionally barriers are less important because skateboarders identify, they have a stronger identity as like a skateboarder. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I'm more of a skateboarder than I am an American. So like I have an American passport, of course, but like I'm gonna connect to a skateboarder from Afghanistan probably better than I will just like with your average American. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean you know what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say yeah like, totally I, I totally get that and it, it also has been a connector for you in the last few years you've been traveling quite a bit and um will you segue a little bit into that and tell us what these like how did you come in contact with the organizations you're now working for and with and where have you traveled and, and what does that give you in terms of your inner world um, when you go and do these crazy things that are really cool <laughs> yeah so i'm definitely sorry i went on a little bit of a tangent there no, no i love it, it... <laughs> um but so uh, back to that story in india um <laughs> skating with the people um that's when i sort of like began to um see what skateboarding offered in terms of like um like you say just like spreading joy mm-hmm and I was curious, I was going to go back to med school for um, uh, international studies. Um, and I was like deferred for a year. Um, Did you say med it, school? Uh, grad school. Grad school. 
grad school. So I got accepted to the, uh, the international school at the University of Denver for a, like a master's in international studies. Cool. But um, they didn't give me any money. So we deferred, I, I deferred for a year. Mm-hmm. But I was interested in that. My mindset was in that international development area, like mm-hmm. nonprofits working in foreign countries. Like, so my head was sort of in that space to begin with. And I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone's doing anything with skating. Um, and just gave it a Google. And I came up with uh, Skatistan, which is a, a skateboard NGO. They're like the first one. They're like the big one. Um, and they started with uh, two skate schools in Afghanistan and a skate school in Cambodia and now one in South Africa. Wow. Um, and they use skating as like a, uh, a tool for, it's like an entry point for, um, for learning art, for learning English. Um, and it's really, it's real. if any of your listeners want to give skate a stand at Google, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. There's a, um, they just won a, uh, an Oscar for a short film that was made about their skate school and female skating in Afghanistan. Anyway, that's another thing, but. We'll um, link to all of this also in the show notes so people can see this because it's really rad actually. Yeah. And um, so I, we happen to be in, in Cambodia at the time and um, they do have a school there. So I just reached out. Turns out they're um, one of their HR people who was in, in Cambodia at the time is from Denver. What? And Yeah. And we like connected. They don't normally let random people come and, and do like a site visit, but we connected and he, he let me come to a site visit at Skatistan, Cambodia. And um, it was just very, very, very cool what they were doing with skating and uh, youth development. Um, and did more research after that. I was really stoked and uh, found another organization called Make Life Skate Life. Um, and Make Life Skate Life is an organization that does uh, concrete skate park building projects um, in areas of the world where like they don't have the resources to do that. So originally it, it came out of India, <clears throat> then there's Bolivia, um, there's Myanmar, uh, Ethiopia, um, Nepal, um, Brazil, Iraq. Wow. Um, trying to think where else. That's quite a lot. Uh, yeah. And so I told them that I would be down to volunteer if they needed anyone. And they said, yes, they needed someone to go to Ethiopia and um, help. Like they're having some problems with the park that had been built about a year before that. Um, some structural problems. They needed some help doing that. So I, I we were, you know, loosey goosey traveling. Um, so I just booked a ticket to Ethiopia uh, and spent about a month there um, and we're just like digging a ditch. And while we were there though, like I started to do some kind of unofficial skate classes for mm-hmm. local kids. There's like a really large street population of, um, of homeless youth that live on the street in Ethiopia. And a lot of them, stay at the skate park because it's like kind of a safe place um so i'd be like showing up to sweep the skate park and dig and there'd be like street kids sleeping all over the place on the park you know and so Mm. 
it inevitably just turned into like, you know, give them a board and help them out. And um, that eventually, by the time I left, like we turned that into like, uh, like a actual structured official, um, like bi-weekly lesson program. Wow. That, uh, that the kids could join. And the, the founder of Make Life Skate Life was real stoked on that. Um, and so basically kind of opened up a, uh, like a position, if you want to call it that, like I'm still a volunteer or whatever, but um, to, to do that at other project locations. Mm. Um, and so that, I mean, my official title is like director of programming. Um, so like my job is to come to a skate park after the park has been built um, and then do uh, set up like official skate lessons mm. um, but then also be in charge of sort of like inviting other groups and types of people to join that wouldn't have done that before mm. so like um, after after Ethiopia um, the next project I was on was in Amman Jordan and in Amman Jordan the program was already pre already existing but it's like um, Jordan has like a really high uh, a really large amount of like of the, the refugee population is really large there mm -hmm. uh, just because of its geographical location people are fleeing everywhere into Jordan and the king there accepts them and <clears throat> there's a lot of NGOs and stuff. So there's like really big camps nearby. Um, and the skate program there buses kids in twice a week to do skate lessons at the skate park in the city. Um, and so they're refugee only. Um, and then I think the refugee classes are divided. So there's like, um, like the country of origin, I think is, is divided. So like, you know, there's like the Syrian class, there's like the, um, you know, Palestinian class, there's just because of the language issue, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and, but the other cool thing that they do there is like a strong, like uh, emphasis on female participation. Cool. So um, that's like a direction that we continue to go with other projects. Um, and so the latest coolest one that we've been working on is um, the, we built a skate park in, in Northern Iraq, in, in Iraqi Kurdistan, um, already, already two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And the skate scene there is very cool. And um, the, the skate, the Iraqi skaters are very, very motivated and very stoked. And we're able to create a program with like four of the most like committed local skateboarders um, to, to teach um, skateboarding for refugees there in Northern Iraq. But this time the refugees didn't come to the skate park. Like we got the coaches to go to the refugee camp. Uh -huh. And so that's why I went out to Iraq. That's why I found myself pinching myself, mm. skating on the, on the concrete soccer pitch in the, in the refugee camp in northern Iraq. So I went out last summer to kind of help kick off the program and bring over like a, a large donation of gear and, um, and kind of just see how it was going. Um, but that's been really cool. It's been really successful. And like, um, 
we've partnered with another NGO that works in the camp um, and we're going to continue to expand it. But it's it basically we're using skating as like, like you say, like to to boil it down and distill it. It's like just bringing joy mm-hmm. um, is the purpose. And the, the research and um, the emphasis of that for like a refugee population mm-hmm. is really cool and it's really it's really the impact is really real mm-hmm. and like a lot of large organizations like the UNHCR um, they're the high council for refugees for the UN um, they're supporting like sport development is what you would call it mm-hmm. initiatives um, just because of of the the mental health, the physical exercise, like the, if someone is, if a kid is happy and they have an outlet and an activity and a passion and something to do when they have free time, Mm -hmm. like they're, they're super, they're a lot less likely to like A, turn to crime, B, be physically unhealthy or C, like mentally unhealthy and um, just the studies that are done around like a happy kid that's participating in like a sport, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're just showing just how, how big that is. So there's a, there's a lot of funding and, and support behind that, cool. um, which is cool. So it's not just like, it's not just like teaching to a kid to skateboard for the sake of teaching a kid to skateboard. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, um, it's sort of using it in a, in a, with a real intention. Um, and I mean, the intention is just to have fun, but like, yeah. <laughs> like, so anyway, but, yeah. That, and that's been the, the whole trajectory for, for me on that path has, um, has gone in that direction. And it's so cool to hear when you come back from these trips and, and just, obviously the life of a refugee is so hard for us to fan them. And I'm sure you have more than a handful of stories of individuals that you met and, and spent time with and connected with, maybe not even via language, like you're saying, but you had these moments that you're like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. And I'm, <laughs> there's probably too many to count. And also what the, the fact that you're bringing that joy as an organization, you're, providing that platform for that to flourish but you're also even though it's not a team sport you're also teaching kids camaraderie and you know cheering each other on when someone does a cool trick or like there's that whole group connection that whole like making peace in a very war threatened zone um I just think that there are so many elements in this that's just so beautiful and it's so cool to see that there's now money put behind it and Sure, we need the research to show for more money coming in that it's helping mental health while we all know it, (laughs) you know, by just looking at these kids and how excited they are. And also the girls, like you were talking about in Afghanistan, that they're now having a less suppressed um, place to be and just express themselves and just be who they are because it's such a otherwise um, it's, it's hard to be a woman in those countries, I can only imagine. Yeah, and it's really interesting though because the the culture there sees skateboarding as a toy, um, ah. not not a sport. Interesting. So it doesn't have the the barrier because you know after a kid is however old, a young teenager, they can't a female cannot 
a girl can't participate in or play sports. But it's since wow. they don't since they don't see skateboarding as a sport, it's like this loophole. And so if like the largest per capita female skate scene, mm-hmm. skate population of, of girls in the world is in Afghanistan. That's is, cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And and it's like there's so many places too, like mm-hmm. um everywhere in the world, like there's there's kids um and there's projects and there's 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 something happening like with skating so um it does because it's like um it's sort of like an undefinable thing it can sort of pass underneath a lot of barriers that other more traditional like sports can't yeah yeah and you see yourself doing this for a while, traveling, doing this, or do you see yourself putting effort into the Ridgeway skate park or where are you at with skating in your life? I tried with the Ridgeway skate park. It was a no-go? Uh, it was a no-go. It was okay, a no-go. well, that's a good different topic. That's, a, that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, town politics, it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, we our latest project was um we built a skate park in in one of the uh favelas like one of the ghettos in in rio de janeiro brazil Mm -hmm. um and actually just yesterday we we had a like a week-long skate workshop um we partnered with skatistan that organization that i told you i found out about before Mm -hmm. at the very beginning um we had a workshop planned there for july but we just canceled that for obvious reasons Mm-hmm. Um, COVID times for those yeah COVID times afterwards <laughs> yeah yeah so it's it's kind of uncertain as to like what things will look like mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm definitely going to continue to do it and mm-hmm. um it's definitely like it feels like it's like the most rewarding interesting thing I do and if I just if I could continue to do that for the rest of my life like I would be happy <laughs> Well, see, that's what I love about you because you're really bringing with this whole mindset, you're bringing your yoga practice off the mat. And for me, it's obvious. And I, I know that you somewhere in, in you feel that this has a greater purpose that's bigger than yourself and you're the vehicle to offer the service through you. And I just find it really inspirational. And that's kind of why I wanted to highlight it here because when you have a passion that can serve others, it's you have this gift and you're good at it and you're obviously you're just showing up and when you can do that and it serves others it's just if everyone could do what they're good at uh, that's a utopia obviously but i just want to highlight you as a case for living that yoga and living that service because that's really what you're doing in my my eyes and it's it's so important and so incredibly impactful and i think like it's one thing to it's not like it's specific to skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone, Absolutely. like like you and Yoti with soccer or whatever, like mm-hmm. you can do something. It doesn't take much. And it doesn't, I think like, it doesn't have to be like a grand gesture and you have to go off to like some crazy country and do some crazy volunteer thing or, do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you don't have to do but, the crazy stuff that Shane does, especially not the <sighs> ski drawing. <laughs> 
Well, I just think it's easy to have an impact on someone's life in a positive way. Just like right where you, where you are, wherever you are, Mm -hmm. like today, you know what I mean? Like you can just say hi to someone, smile at someone, give someone a compliment. Like, yeah, it does. I don't think it has to be such a big thing. Um, but it does go a long way. And I think like, if anyone, I mean, if anyone listening, like, wanted to do something similar like I think you just have to like look at your like what you're like look at what your strengths are and mm-hmm. and and just go do something with that strength like yeah like just go do something like mm-hmm. you know what I mean there's no I don't know book a plane ticket like <laughs> well I feel like a lot of people during this COVID time have also expressed that they're sitting a lot with you know their purpose and how they're spending your, their time and you know it's just priorities really and if yeah. you have the skillful means we're talking uh, dharma we're talking artha we're all of these things that can really come to life if you just give it enough room and you prioritize it and you let your your life you know, be focused around that. And it seems like you found that path and it seems like you now have the financial backing, the organization itself to keep going. And um, it just, it's so cool to see that these seeds are being planted. Um, And like you're saying, we don't have to look further. We have enough stuff that we can contribute to right here in our own town or in our own country. It doesn't have to be across the world, but you're doing it. And I want to highlight that because it is remarkable. Um, well, I, I think too, like, I just want to say, like, I don't think I would have looked at skating through with that perspective um, if it hadn't been for yoga. I mean, I looked at everything from a new perspective. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think, like, thanks to my yoga practice, mm-hmm. I'm able to, like, sort of see what I'm doing and what I want to do mm-hmm. um, and be aware of what I'm, I would say, like, I'm, I'm aware of why I do something. Um, whereas I'm not sure if I would have seen that or done that before or had like the self-awareness. It's not like I'm like a yoga master or anything, but I practice enough just to see a little bit, like just a few degrees off of like my normal perspective, my normal viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been like a really huge thing for just looking at my life, like looking at where I want to put effort in what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not sure if I would have seen things that clearly if it weren't for my yoga practice, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, with your yoga offerings, you are holding space for others to peop- for others to drop in, just like you did throughout your yoga practice. You're, you're really tying all of this together. And I don't, and it's a conscious, you know, choice that you're spending your time sharing the yoga and sharing the skating. And I also want to kind of circle back to that in terms of you've done some yoga work for skaters, correct? Yep. Yeah. Tell me more about that. (laughs) (laughs) Skaters are a hard group to teach yoga to. I'll say that. Uh, (laughs) No. So I, um, I originally wrote an article for um, a skateboard magazine called Jankum. And it was like an introduction to yoga for skateboarders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was like kind of mildly successful in the small little niche world of skateboarders that want to do yoga. Um, <laughs> and then sort of through that, I, um, 
had the idea to do like a video series for another skateboard magazine called Skatism. Mm -hmm. And that one is a yoga specific or a yin yoga specific um, video series and articles of yin yoga for skateboarders. Cool. Um, so like basically it, you could Google it. I guess we can put a link to that as well. Mm -hmm. There's uh, I've got four videos out there. Um, and uh, there's a funny story about me getting robbed at knife point during one of those videos, if we, but uh, I, we can maybe circle back to that. But um, the reason why I made them is because I was seeing these videos on the internet and they're like, you know how you Google like yoga for, and then you can find like yoga for golfers, yoga for mm -hmm. skaters, yoga for, you can type in anything. There's yoga for whatever the hell you can like ever even imagine, you know? <laughs> I guess I've never actually Googled it that way. I might have to spend some time doing that for the fun of it. Well, people, people market it. It's like a marketing thing. Cause it's just okay. like, it's a yoga sequence. Like, then it's like, what makes it sp specific for golfers or whatever, you mm -hmm. know? But um, I was seeing these y like yoga for skaters things and I was looking at it and I was like, man, this is just like a vinyasa yoga class. Um, and it says yoga for skaters. But like, what about this is uh, specifically for skaters, you know? Mm -hmm. But at, at that point, as like a yin yoga teacher, I had my own routine down like and I have like a like a recovery routine I would do after yoga and um, I like as a skate like none of the yoga for skateboard video videos were a skateboarder teaching the yoga it was always yeah. like a yoga teacher like presenting it for skateboarders okay like I have a unique perspective as being like a skateboarder and a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was able to kind of call bullshit on some of the stuff and like create like a real like program for skateboarders that could, they could benefit from. So just targeting areas of the body that get a lot of wear and tear. And then with, with yin yoga, a lot of the emphasis is on, um, regenerating tissue in the body and especially in the joints mm -hmm. and there's like a lot of really interesting like research being done on on static stretching like long-held static stretching on how that how that can like um make your collagen thicker um it increases like a um a particle called or it's called elastin it makes your tissues it's like what develops in pregnant women to make them more flexible mm -hmm. um that increases um the fibroblasts are stressed in your in your joints and in your connective tissue which like is it's creating more collagen so it's i mean your connective tissue is becoming thicker stronger more elastic there's another component that attracts water into it's called ha um, and it's a particle that holds water in like you're 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 creating that you're stimulating that so your body is becoming stronger it's becoming more stretchy and the ability to hold water like you're literally becoming younger um because basically like aging and injury it's like you're just drying out mm -hmm. you're shrinking and drying yeah and and yin yoga specifically holding a pose in a static stretch way it's like it's stimulating this body's natural healing process in the joints mm -hmm. and like as a skater, that's an area that gets a lot of 
use and abuse. So like when I would see the videos before, it's like, I don't think doing a bunch of sun salutations is going to be a good thing for a skateboarder. I mean, they already have a lot of that, like that, like physical activity. They've got that workout. They've got that stress on their muscles. Like Mm -hmm. they already have that down. Yeah. Like they need recovery and healing. And so my idea was like creating a yin yoga series for skaters um, just to try and help in that way. Um, And it's been, like I said, like, I don't know, I guess kind of successful. Like I've done four and I did a meditation one as well, most recently. Um, It's rad. I mean, you're probably same thing there. You're, you're allowing people to dip their toes in unfamiliar territory, but when cool Shane is doing it, why couldn't I do it? You know, all of these kids are looking up to you. So why not, you know, provide this, this is obviously, you know, to a, urban skate scene as well because it's online and it's in magazines and all of that but i'm sure that you stepping out among these kids that you're working with also brings this peace and calm because you're you're bringing it just by your being and then now you have these videos that people can watch wherever they are and and just like you're saying drop in and they're probably having like you this really young um lifestyle and the yin yoga is obviously complementary to that yeah and like i mean the thing is like i still skateboard and i'm not a bad skateboarder and i'm not very young anymore either so it's like i'm 36 and there's i don't know i can still skate and like i think people are like oh like like what do you do like how do you and i i just tell them you know Mm -hmm. like oh this is this is what i do like my body feels pretty good still Mm -hmm. you know i haven't had a lot of injuries and the other cool thing is like, I do get people reaching out to me um, just like on social media um, who are like, Hey, I just wanted to write you and uh, just tell you that your video has been really helping me. And, you know, whether it's just like the, like a random person, that's super cool. I get a little bit of that. I've had, I've had a couple pros, right. As well. Like um, I had a pro um, who was recovering from an injury, mm-hmm. uh, write me and, tell me that like i kind of that i helped him out that the video helped him out so it's sweet i don't know but it's just like a a few people you know but it i just love that you're bridging it yeah and you're again you're tapping into this is what i know this is how my body feels this is what helped me let's put it out there in terms just offering it for others and you're doing it with at least what i see very little ego and just offering it being out there and it's just cool because if more people would do stuff like this, that they are connected with, that they are inspired by whatever their trait is, you know, then the world would be quite different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's cool because I, if you just go to your normal yoga studio, it's like 40 to 50 something like white women, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yep. And for, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, but, and that's not, I'm not, that's not a bad thing either, but it's cool to like think about taking yoga to other groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I find that really interesting. Like, like who wouldn't just go to a yoga class? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, just going into a drop in yoga class for the first time. If you're not a skinny white female gymnast, like it's super intimidating. Of course. Yeah. And, and so like if I could make yoga more accessible and um and get more people doing yoga like like to me that would be a huge success 
Mm -hmm. Totally. Wow. Thank you for, now we touched on subjects that you didn't even want to go talk about, <laughs> but I forced you into a corner anyways. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, yeah, I feel like I covered all the topics I really wanted to talk to you about. I don't know if you have anything else that you want to share with us that's, you know, on your mind or correlated to any of these things or something completely different. While I have you, I want to squeeze yeah, I mean the last out of you. No, I probably just want to say like, thanks to everyone that's, thanks to you, Hansa. Like you, I see you as like one of my teachers and anyone that I've ever kind of practiced yoga with or had anyone that's had like an influence on me in any way, um, whether it's like an official teacher or just someone pushing me or Evie getting me to go to the, my first yoga class, like whatever, whatever it is, like um, just like a huge thanks because I'm super grateful for uh, for like just this whole adventure with yoga and, and, um, super grateful for anyone that's like added a little bit to like my little tool bag, which I feel like is my yoga practice for reaching into when I need a little, a little help, you know? So yeah, thanks to everyone. Cool. Yeah. And for people that are in that boat where they're intimidated to go to yoga, but they now feel that they resonate with you. How do we learn more about your classes and where to find information about you? All your calls to action, please. Um, I've got a website with a really lame name. Don't judge me. It's yogishane.com. I got a lot of flack because people are like, to say that you're a yogi is so presumptuous. And I was like, it's just a name. But yeah. <laughs> Totally. I, just, I just didn't want it to be Shane Carrick yoga. But, <laughs> uh, you are yogi. That's what we're talking about here. You're bringing uh, it outside your mat. So just don't let that get to you. <laughs> okay. Well, someone can argue with me later about the name of my website, but it's well. yogishane.com. <laughs> and, or you can just, you could find me on Instagram, um, Shane Carrick. Um, Facebook as well. But yeah, probably the best way is just to check out the website. Cool. And, yeah. And then we'll have the links to some skate yoga stuff. We'll have to the skate organizations. We'll have your website and Insta cool. and all of that too. And thank you so much for yeah, thank you. being willing. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thank you, Hansa. It's it's nice to have a have a chat officially, you know. And yeah, totally. And yeah, I just really appreciate you, Shaner. And you always have such a big caring heart and to, you know, from afar, see what you do and, and get to witness that is really precious. And you're very dear to Yoti and me. So carry on with your good work in the world and know well, that you're loved. Yeah, likewise, right back at you, Hansa. Thank you for tuning in with us today and we hope that you stay in the loop by following us on Instagram, subscribing on SoundCloud. We'll eventually upload these episodes also to iTunes and all the other platforms where you find your favorite podcasts. For now, follow along where you can and also know that we have a lot of really interesting conversations in the pipeline, so you do want to stay in the loop. Sign up for the newsletter. Um, the whole initiative is donation-based. If you want to see it evolve, uh, feel free to donate if you have the means 
through the links um, listed here below and also from the Vichara Inspiration website. If you don't have the means, absolutely no worries. This is still for you. We hope that you listen and absorb whatever you can absorb and integrate what you can integrate. We hope to together make this world a more beautiful place. So thank you for listening and until next time, Om Tat Sat.